Hey family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. Genesis chapter 13, verse number 9. Amen. And I'm going to read uh, from the Good News Translation. When you found it, won't you say, I got it? If you still look and say, wait a minute. Okay. Genesis 13 and 9. I'm reading from the Good News Translation of the Bible. This is Abram, who has not yet become Abraham, talking to his nephew Lot. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, so let's separate. Choose any part of the land you want. You go one way and I'll go the other. So let's separate. Choose any part of the land you want. You go one way and I'll go the other. Amen. I want to preach for a little while using as a subject, no hard feelings. No hard feelings. Father, thank you for this time. Help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, a lot of times I'm asked by my friends, friends who are preachers and pastors, why would I take the time to do a series on relationships? Uh, they don't really trip about the title, you know, they understand edginess and marketing, you know, why would you name it power, money, sex? Um, but I think that speaks to the heart of what's going on right now. Everybody want more power. Everybody want more money. Everybody want more sex, but nobody wants to talk about it in the church. Everybody wants healthy, vibrant, life-giving relationships. And yet you come to the church and they talking about Jesus turning water into wine and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And then you trying to figure out how the fiery furnace got to do with the fire that's burning in your heart because you can't understand how that applies to the reality of relationships. And the seriousness of it is this. The Bible does not give us pragmatically any instructions on how to date because in the Bible, dating was not a reality of the time that the Bible was written. I told y'all last week, marriages were arranged. So the Bible does not give us any instructions on how to date. But what it does is it gives us rules or parameters or boundary lines for what serious and successful and healthy relationships should look like. Because whether you want it or not, whether you know it or not, God wants you to have a meaningful fulfilling, healthy relationship. Amen. How many of y'all know that? God wants you to have a banging sex life that's off the chain and relationships that give life, but he wants you to do it his way. Somebody say amen. Because a lot of us have been trying to do relationships and get God's results in the world's way. How many of y'all know that? See, the world's way says first there's physical attraction, then there's a sexual connection, then there's emotional attachment, then you got to get to know them, which includes sex, living together, merging your finances, having some kids, maybe. Then you got to deal with disappointment, finding out they're not the one. 
and then you got to start that over with someone else and carry the baggage of that relationship into the new relationship and repeat that process over and over again until you find the one. Now, it would sound bad when I describe it that way, but how many of y'all know you've dated that way in the past? Come on, let's be honest. Some of y'all are dating that way right now and are ashamed to admit it. You go through that motion and you go through that cycle hoping that eventually you'll find the one, but that's the world's way. That's not God's way. God's way says, okay, yes, there must be physical attraction because it don't matter if you love Jesus if I don't like you, okay? Then after there's physical attraction, there needs to be spiritual common ground, right? You don't need to marry or get with somebody that's not a Christian. If you're in church every Sunday and they don't go, that's probably not the right relationship for you. Okay, but after spiritual common ground, you have social and mental compatibility, you have emotional connection, then you have spiritual connection, then you have godly love that is expressed by marriage and that climaxes with sexual intimacy. We try to put sex second or first and then want to put the rest of the stuff after that. But then when you introduce sex prematurely, you've already messed up a relationship. Somebody say amen. So as a pastor, I'm starting to see that unhealthy relationships, whether they be friendships, romantic relationships, marriages, are tearing the church apart, and no one is taking the time to deal with them in a real and relevant way that engages the mind, the emotions, and the spirit. So what I want to do is I want to create a platform through this series how, on, how we can engage relationships in a godly way. Because whether it's a friendship, whether you married, no matter what you got going on in your life, you need help making your relationships better. How many of y'all believe that? Yeah. Amen. So toxic relationships, right, are one of the biggest barriers to us achieving purpose in our lives. Many of us can't get where we need to get because we're in a relationship that's unhealthy. And our inability to recognize when we're involved in an unhealthy relationship is what's keeping us from getting where we need to be in God because no one ever told us that we didn't have to allow people to hurt us in order to love them. We teach people that love is pain, and in some cases, love is painful, but you don't have to let somebody hurt you in order to prove that you love them. How many of y'all can believe that? Right? Jesus died in a one-sided relationship with you so that you didn't have to sit through a one-sided relationship with nobody else. You hear what I'm saying? Jesus died loving you when you didn't love him back, treating you good when you didn't treat him right taking the pain that you inflicted on him. He did that so that you don't have to endure that with anybody else. God's desire, hear me good, y'all. This is probably about as preachy as I'm gonna get today, right? God's desire is for you not to sit in an unhealthy relationship because when you are in an unhealthy relationship, everything suffers. How many of y'all are taking notes today? If you're taking notes, write this down. I wanna define a toxic relationship. I want to define a toxic relationship, right? A toxic relationship is any relationship that is hurtful, damaging, and unconducive to God's plan for my life. A toxic relationship, I'm going to say it again, is any relationship that is hurtful, damaging, and unconducive to God's plan for my life. How many of you know that it is not God's will for you to settle for a toxic relationship? Because toxic relationships prevent you from giving God your best because they consume every part of your being, your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, 
right? Which is all things. Those are all things that Mark tells you in Mark 12, 30 to give to God. Listen to what the Bible says. Mark 12, verse 30, it says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, all your mind, and all of your strength, right? But you can't give that to God if it's consumed by a toxic relationship, right? The reason why everything falls apart when we're in a toxic relationship is because most times we give everything we have to our relationships. You put everything you got. When love is new, you'll take crazy risks. You'll do all kinds of dumb stuff. You'll put all your energy into a relationship. You'll use up all your time talking to them. But at the end of the day, God says you can't be successful in that if you're giving them something that I am requiring from you. Somebody say amen. Let's be honest. When we are in toxic relationships, when our relationship suffers, everything that we're involved in suffers because we put everything into our relationships. Some of y'all will go through a breakup. It'll mess up your work life. It'll mess up your relationship with your family. You won't eat right. You'll lose weight on accident. Some of y'all, y'all know y'all ain't trying to lose weight. Y'all just ain't eating because you sad. You depressed. It'll mess up every area of your life. And whether you are single, you are married, or somewhere in between, if you're going to be all that God wants you to be, you got to learn how to identify and deal with toxic relationships. All right. So here's the deal. Like I read this scripture, right? And I, I want you to understand that I, I'm, I'm trained theologically, right? So I don't want nobody to be like, oh man, he preaching that in any way that scripture about. I know that that's not what that scripture is about, right? Abraham and Lot, thank you, Lord, were not in a relationship with each other like that. They were not in love with each other. But the principle is simple, right? God had called Abraham to a place. And in the call that God had given Abraham, the Bible says, Genesis chapter 10, read it when you get home. He says, get away from your father's house and away from your family and away from your kinfolk and go to a land that I'm going to show you, right? He says, get away from all those family members, and I'm going to show you something. But what Abram did, because his brother had just died, he decided that it would be good for him to take his brother's son, Lot, with him on the journey. And because he had taken his brother's son, Lot, with him on the journey, the Bible says that there was too much going on in the camp. There was too much strife going on in the camp because the land that they were in was not big enough for both of their families. And so the Bible says that after a year or so of conflict that Abraham confronts Lot and tells him, look, man, I love you. I'm not mad at you. I ain't got no problem with you, but we got to separate for the good of both of us. He says, this is what he says. He said, look, man, this land is so big. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the north, I'll go to the south. But I can't let loving you kill me. I can't let staying in this relationship cause me to lose the little bit of sanity I got left. And the truth of the matter is most of us don't even understand that by, by giving us the ability to see this story, God is showing us a paradigm of how to get out of and how to deal with toxic relationships, right? First of all, Genesis chapter 13, we're going to walk through this really quick. How do I know that I'm in a toxic relationship? Number one, when being with you is limiting my ability to grow into all that God has purposed me to grow into. 
I know that I'm in a toxic relationship. Hear me good. When I can't become all God wants me to become. Pastor Josh, show me that in the text. Verse five and six, it says, now Lot, who went with Abraham or Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. And the land could not sustain them while dwelling together, for their possessions were too great that they were not able to remain together. Check this out. God called Abraham to a land that had the ability to sustain him by himself. God didn't have the land did not have the ability to sustain Abraham and Lot. And so Lot's presence in Abraham's space was preventing him from being who God had called him to become. You know, you're in a toxic relationship when you can't grow no more. When you can't get bigger, when you know that God has more for you than what you're seeing and what you're doing and what you're what you're spending. You know, God got more for you, but you can't get it because you're connected to the wrong person. How many of you have ever been with somebody that stunted your growth? How many of you have ever had friends that when you met them, y'all were in the same place, but now you look at them 10 years later and they're still in the same place that they were when you met them, but they still think they're your friend? No, you're not a friend. You're a tumor. You a cancer. If you prevent me from growing, if you are retarding my growth, you're not a friend. I got to get rid of you because that's toxic. Somebody say amen. amen. I got to move. Okay, so I know it's a toxic relationship when being with you is limiting my ability to grow. But number two, I know I'm in a toxic relationship when the stuff I brought with me into the relationship and the stuff you brought with you into the relationship can't mix. Look at look what verse six says. It says, and the land could not sustain them while dwelling together because their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. Look at this. Everybody brings baggage into a relationship. Everybody brings baggage into a relationship. But the way I know that you're the one is that me bringing my baggage and you bringing your baggage don't stop us from being and growing together. God will anoint you. I, I want to help some single people. I promise I do. God will anoint you for somebody who is or anoint somebody who is able to handle your baggage. They will be anointed to handle your past. You ain't got to lie about it. You ain't got to cover it up. You ain't got to sneak around it. They'll be anointed to handle your present struggles. They'll be anointed to deal with the fact that your daddy wasn't there or that your mom and dad had a divorce and it scarred you and they won't bring it up in an argument and throw it up in your face. God says you need people in your life toxic people can't handle your baggage and let me help you if you're not called to a person you ain't gonna be able to handle their baggage let me help some single people all right just because they willing to deal with your past if you ain't willing to deal with their past that don't mean they call to you you have the right as a single person to determine what the deal breakers are now it might it might increase your length of time being single if you got a whole bunch of standards, but hey, that's the beauty of being single. You got the right to impose those standards and not settle for anything less. So just because somebody is desperate and they willing to handle everything that you got, that don't mean they the one. Huh? Furthermore, let me say this. This for free. This ain't even in my notes. But the Holy Ghost just dropped it, Monique, into my spirit. Just because... It's the best you've ever had don't mean it's the best that God will ever send you sometimes we get stuck 
on a trailer and forget that there are other movies. God help me. Now, now wouldn't it be crazy? Let me help you. I go, I go to the movies a whole lot. Me and my wife try to get there on time because uh, we want to see the previews. But every now and then we'll do that, you know, that, that color people thing where you'd be like, oh, we got a lot 15 minutes of previews. We all right. You know what I mean? But I like to catch the previews, you know, especially if it's a superhero movie and I know it's going to be like a superhero trailer, something like that. But it'd be crazy, right, if I paid all that money for that movie ticket, watched the trailer, and because the trailer was banging, got my stuff and went in my car and went home. I'm satisfied with the trailer. Sometimes God sends you people not so that you can settle on them, but so that you can see what's possible. Sometimes God opens up doors so that you can see, man, if this thing is this good and this person clearly is not the one, what else will God send me if I'm obedient to where God sent me? And some of us get settled on appetizers, get full on appetizers and fruit snack relationships and gummy bear love and crazy stuff that wasn't meant for us, but God is just trying to give you something. Let me help you. Uh, I give my kids candy for real. Uh, partially it's because... Um, uh, I'm sick and I can't eat all that the way I want to. So sometimes I just like to see my kids eat candy that I can't have. Uh, I like to tease them. But every now and then when I know it's dinner time and they haven't eaten, I know that if I give them too much candy, it'll spoil their appetite for what I know is coming next. But my son is so immature. He's a baby. He's a child. His mind is not developed. He gets so mad over the snack that he don't realize that dinner is on the table in the kitchen. You understand what I'm saying? Some of us will get overwhelmed over what God is showing us to whet our appetite. He just showing you, you ain't got to settle for nobody that's short and ugly with acne all over their face if you don't want to. He's not, he's showing you ain't got to settle for somebody that's not your physical type if you don't want to. He's showing you that there is better out there for you. That don't mean you settle on the first thing that you get. There is nothing more irritating to a parent than to take their kid, well, to me as a parent, than to take my kids to the dollar store, give them $2, and they get the first two things that they see right when they're walking in the store. I want my kids to know, hey, there is a whole store in here. Everything in here costs a dollar. You can get anything in the store. But to me, I will walk in and see a piece of gum in the aisle, see a soda pop on the front, and be like, okay, daddy, here's my $2. Immaturity stops you from seeing what God wants to put in your life because you're so excited about possibility. But possibility is not designed to get you attached to the possibility. It's designed to get you attached to the God that made all things possible. So if you say, God, I was just a little bit obedient and you showed me this, what are you gonna do for me if I keep on following you? And the trick of the enemy is to get you so attached to the reward of obedience that you stop being obedient, which is what got you the reward in the first place. Now you want to question whether or not you're in the right place, you're doing the right thing, you're called to the right stuff because God gave you something. But if you really understood what God had gave you, you would understand that it's not to make you attached to the gift, it's to attach you to the giver. I'm preaching too hard. Stop saying amen. Um, when I know I'm in a toxic relationship, when being with you is limiting my ability to grow, say amen. amen. I know I'm in a toxic relationship when the stuff I brought with me and the stuff you brought with you don't mix. But then number three, I know I'm in a toxic relationship 
when it's hurting me more than it's blessing me. Yeah. Notice that I didn't say it's hurting me and it's not blessing me. Because there are some relationships that come with blessings and bruises. But the bruises are designed to make you better. Right? But when the tone and tenor of the relationship has more bruises in it than it has a blessings in it. Right? That's a sign that you could be in something toxic. Abraham and Lot were in a relationship, and I'm sure that they had good days and bad days. Listen to how they talked to each other. He was like, look, bro, I love you. Verse, verse 8 is crazy. He says, you're my brother. I don't want there to be any strife between us. I don't want you to be mad at me. I don't want you to leave here talking about me. But what he says is, he's like, look, what's going on is tearing us apart. And for the health of my relationship with you, I need us to separate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, if it's causing me more strife than it's giving me strength, then it might be toxic. All right? So how do I deal with toxic relationships? I'm on time. Okay. How do I deal with toxic relationships? Number one, I got to accept the reality that what I'm in is not right. Okay? I have to accept the reality that what I'm in is not right. Okay? You cannot change your reality until you accept your reality. Right? This is what mama and them, this is grandma, this is auntie, this is significant other. You have to be able to accept the fact that what you are in is not right. Amen? Because no matter how good it feels, now here, here's the thing. This is the thing about flesh, right? Like flesh will make stuff feel good to you that is not right for you. You hear what I'm saying? Yeah. And some of us, again, because we're immature and we don't filter our emotions through the lens of the spirit, will allow what feels good to us to make our mind think that it is good for us. When just because it's good to us does not mean it's good for us. And so you got to accept it's easy for us to write off the toxic relationships that we don't like. It's easy for us to walk away from the toxic relationship with the person that, you know, we ain't really feeling them no more. They didn't cuss us out a little one too many times. Uh, they, they, they don't pay for dinner no more. That has to be a toxic relationship because I shouldn't have to pay for my own food and all that stuff. Like, it's easy for us to walk away from that, right? But it's hard for us to walk away from the toxic relationships that we enjoy. They treat me so good. But you don't understand that their treatment of you is not impacting the other areas of your life. See, the reason why... This is the way you know when it's good for you. Because it may not be good to you all the time, but it is positively impacting the other areas of your life. The reason why I ain't gave up on God and church and church people and pastoring is not because I went to seminary and it's not just because I got a calling on my life. It's because marriage taught me how to stick in stuff that don't feel good until it gets better. 
You hear what I'm saying? Now, learning that did not feel good while it was working, Romans 8, 28. But it was working for my good. You hear what I'm saying? So you can't judge the toxicity of a relationship because you got a big mouth and sometimes he tell you to be quiet. Huh? You can't judge the toxicity of a relationship because you thought you left the house smelling good and she said you need a stronger deodorant. That don't feel good to you, but that's good for you. You hear what I'm saying? So I got to accept the reality that what I'm in is not right. But then secondly, I have to confront the toxic relationship with clear communication. I got to confront it with clear communication. Verse eight, Abraham, Abram comes to Lot and confronts the situation clearly. Now, this is going to be hard for some of y'all. See, because some of you claim to be non-confrontational. You don't like confrontation and all that stuff. But really, you just don't like confrontations that you can't weasel your way out of. Right. But when you're in a toxic relationship, it's a matter of life and death. You got to tell people the truth. You got to let them know the truth. You got to tell them, look, this is not working. I don't like this. Stop beating around the bush. Do you hear what I'm saying? If the house is on fire, don't whisper it's on fire. Tell them, hey, it's on fire. I got to get up out of this. You hear what I'm saying? Because so many times we have relationships that could have been saved if we hadn't have been so scary and communicated clearly. But you're so scared to lose what you think you got that you'll let that relationship kill you trying to hold on to something you weren't supposed to have in the first place. But if they're meant to be with you, they'll be able to handle your clear communication. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? The way I know I'm your pastor is not by how loud you say amen while I'm preaching. It's not how big you give. It's will you come back after I've corrected you. If you can't handle correction, then this ain't your church. And if they can't handle you being honest with them in a relationship, then they're not supposed to be with you. Because God doesn't call you to relationships to be locked in a prison of lies just to protect your feelings and their ego. Let me help somebody. Let me get somebody delivered. Ain't nobody doing you a favor by being with you. Can I get somebody delivered today? If they want to be with you, then you're doing them a favor by being with them. You got to learn how to see your value. Stop looking at it like they're helping you out by being with them. They got issues too. You just don't see them because they're better at setting boundaries than you are. You get in a relationship and show your whole self, open your whole heart up, let everybody see every part of you, and the person you with got good sense. They still got their representative showing up to y'all dates. They ain't going to let you see the real them until you marry them. And then you're going to be mad and say, if I had seen this part of you, then I wouldn't have married you in the first place. That's why you need to date a little longer. Stop getting rushing into relationships and rushing into marriage. You don't know these people. I was married. I just met my wife three years ago. Just found out who she was as a person. We didn't know who we were when we were together. She's like, wait, what? You'll be drunk in love, man. I'm not saying that it was bad, but I'm saying there were some things about my wife that I did not know until three years ago. Because there were some struggles that God didn't send us through until three years ago. And you find out who people are in the struggle. You don't find out who they are when stuff is going well. 
You find out who you are when you relocate to a place that you've never been with family that you ain't got and you ain't got nobody around you and it's just you and her and ain't no babysitter, ain't mama ain't there, can't nobody help you with your bills, you can't go pick up some gas money from mama and them, you own your own by yourself and that's when you find out who you are. That's why I'm telling you, slow your roll. Slow up. You don't know nobody until you've been through with them. Till you've disappointed them, till you've hurt their feelings, till you've broken their heart. You don't find out if for better or for worse, mean for better or for worse until worse happens. You hear what I'm saying? So you got to confront that with clear communication. Hey, I don't like this. Hey, this behavior that you have is draining the life out of me. Hey, I'm, 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 I'm trying my best to introduce you to my life and what I like and what I want to do, but it seems to always be about you. How come every conversation we have, no matter if it start about me, always end up going back and talking about you and what you're going through? How come the conversation about how my day was always wrap around back into your work day before I finish my story about how my day was? You hear what I'm saying? I'm helping you not just with lovers and significant others, I'm helping you with friendships. You got to confront it with clear communication. Stop beating around the bush. You act like you don't want to confront people because you don't want to hurt their feelings. No, you're a coward. You don't want your feelings to be hurt. You're afraid that if you hurt their feelings, then they'll leave you. And you don't understand that if somebody leave you because of hurt feelings, they weren't supposed to be with you in the first place. I feel like I keep saying that over and over. I feel like somebody is, 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 is dealing with that and you don't want to admit, admit that in your life. I feel like God keep bringing me back to the place where if people can't handle the real you, they don't deserve to have you in any form. Yeah. Right? You got to confront it with clear communication. Number three, you got to accept the reality that it ain't right. Number two, you got to confront it with clear communication. Number three, here it is. You got to set clear boundaries. Somebody do me a favor. Say boundaries. boundaries. Say it again. Say boundaries. boundaries. Look at it. It's in the text. Verse 9. He says, look, if you go to the left, I'm going to go to the right. He said, if you go to the north, I'm going to go to the south. Left, right, north, south are what? Boundaries. Abram said, if this is going to be successful, we have to establish clear boundaries in our relational life. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Somebody need to get free today, okay? It's okay for you to tell people what parts of your life they're welcome in. You hear what I'm saying? Access to your, li access to your life is not a right. It is a privilege that you have the authority to grant or revoke at any time. Oh, y'all ain't feeling me. See, 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 you thought that you had to give people that you love access to certain parts of your life. No, the devil is a liar. You have the right to establish boundaries. Do you hear what I'm saying? You got to tell people you don't have access to this part of my life. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because healthy boundaries will keep you sane because they'll allow you to hear God clearly. For my single people, especially, you got to set some boundaries. Yeah, if you're single, you need to set boundaries. Y'all need to set sexual boundaries. That's easy. Let me help you with that. No. That's how you set that boundary. Uh-uh. Not going to happen. Never. That's how you set that boundary. It's real easy. 
It's real easy. Let me help you pragmatically, though. See, some people by nature are a little naughtier than others. Right? <laughs> so if you know that you got a lot of self-control, your boundary can be a little closer to the house. Your fence can be a little closer to the house than other people's. You still don't need to let them on the doorstep, but your boundary can be a little closer to the house. But if you like me, your boundary need to be out in the street. You need to have an electrical fence. Like you need to have lights on, motion sensors. You gotta have some dogs. You gotta know yourself well enough. You hear what I'm saying? You gotta know yourself well enough to set boundaries. For, so for some people, we can hold hands, we can cuddle. Other people, don't touch me, don't touch me, don't touch me. You gotta set boundaries, right? <clears throat> but let me help you. You gotta set financial boundaries. Where my fellas at? Where my fellas at? Holler at me. Don't leave me out here by myself. Well, I'm married. Y'all ain't gonna leave me nowhere. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to help you though. You ain't gotta pay for every date. Where that's at in the text? I can't find the scripture nowhere. Hear, hear me now. I can't find the scripture nowhere in the Bible that say you got to pay for every date, every outing, every encounter. I ain't read nowhere that said in the Bible that you got everything y'all do got to cost money. Every celebration does not require an expense on your part. Get married and have some kids. You'll find a creative way to celebrate an anniversary. I promise you, you will. Where the married folk at? Holla at me. You'll get real creative when you got some cheering and you got to choose between Ruth, Chris, and diapers and wipes. You'll be like, how about we find us a good babysitter for $15, go to Taco Bell and sit back and talk about the, you know, to talk about the people that go to our church. <laughs> we don't do that for real, y'all. Not all the time. <laughs> I told y'all because I love y'all. I'm, I'm probably the realest pastor you ever going to meet. So me and my wife going to get a couch, put it right here on the stage, and we're going to talk to y'all the way we talk about y'all when we're at home. You need to be here for that. You need to be there. And, and when I say y'all, I don't mean y'all specifically because I don't know enough of y'all. I mean like other Christians that are doing single life, right? We don't mean like y'all specifically. But some of y'all, we do, we do mean that. <laughs> And some, and some of y'all, y'all going to know he talking about me. He talk, I, look, my mama said, if, 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 a hit dog? Huh? Holla at me then, shoot. <laughs> you got to set financial boundaries. Look, this, this is what I'm saying. Um, <clears throat> if you set a standard, right, in dating that you can't sustain in marriage, right, you are setting yourself up for failure. You hear what I'm saying? So the same way a woman and a man, but the same way it's easier for women. I told you this last week, the same way a woman will put guardrails on her sexual purity. We also need to put guardrails on our finances. There are certain questions about money. You can't ask me until I propose to you because it ain't none of your business. There are certain expectations you can't have of me. Now, if I choose to do it, that's between you and your budget, fellas. That's between you and your budget. Now, my rule of thumb is if I am requesting your company, then I should accommodate the expense. 
But if you want to kick it just because you want to kick it, that don't mean we got to do something that costs money. You hear what I'm saying? But if I'm saying, hey, let me pick you up and take you somewhere, then I should pick you up and take you somewhere. And if the somewhere got a cost, I should cover it because I asked you to come with me. But ladies, let me help you. You should always go somewhere ready to take care of yourself. You hear what I'm saying? Don't ever go somewhere without the ability to take care of it for yourself. Stop expecting men to do stuff for you because you'll think they'd be a gentleman and really they got a chip on their shoulder because you got them spending their all their money. You need to let them know, I don't need you. I brought my own. And if you don't have your own, learn how to say no. Nope, not I can't go. Nope. You want to kick it tonight? Nope. You hear what I'm saying? Boyfriend and girlfriendism does not require you to hang out every weekend. Let me help you. Because when you're married, you don't got them single weekends no more. Unless your wife or husband on a trip, you need to learn how to spend time by yourself. Learn how to enjoy it. Some of y'all want to be with somebody and you don't even like hanging out with yourself. I'll be in the car talking to myself about the message I'm going to preach on Sunday. I'll be in my car <laughs> going over my expenses. And see, this is how I learned how to do it. I put the Bluetooth in my ear, Juwan, so that when people see me, they don't think I'm talking to myself. But for real, I'm just enjoying time by myself. Single folk, y'all need to learn how to be by yourself. You know what I'm saying? Learn how to like you. Ain't nobody else going to like you if you don't. And somebody else liking you ain't going to make you like you. And if you don't like you and somebody else get with you, then they'll try to turn you into the version of you that they like. And you'll feel like you got to become something that you ain't to keep them. Okay, yeah. So, that ain't had nothing to do with money, truly. Uh, set financial boundaries. Uh, and then, single people, you got to set spiritual boundaries. You're not my covering. You're not my intercessor. You ain't my prayer partner. You ain't my accountability partner. You ain't none of that. I have a walk with the Lord, and I hope you got a walk with the Lord. You hear what I'm saying? Now, we might choose as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, which is weird, right? We, we, <laughs> we might choose as brothers and sisters in Christ to come together periodically and agree as touching on some things. You know what I mean? But we ain't walking together. I ain't running my spiritual walk by you. I'm not having a dream and be like, mm, what did the spirit tell you? You got a pastor for that. You got people in your church for that. You need to keep your relationship with God separate because God might have some stuff to tell you about that person that you don't want to hear y'all praying together because God ain't got no boundaries. God, y'all will be praying together, speaking in tongues together, rocking back and forth in the spirit and God will be like, leave them. And you'll be like, oh, <laughs> the devil. God be like, no, that was me. I said, leave them, leave them, leave them. <laughs> Do you need me to say it in the King James so you can believe it? Thou shalt leaveth them today. And he'd be like, mm-mm. We pray in Jesus. We've been intercessing every morning, interceding for each other at five o'clock. That's the devil. It's easier for God to tell you to leave him if you're praying by yourself. <laughs> well, it's not easier for God. It's easier for you to hear it. Praise God. Amen. Yeah, you got to set financial boundaries. You got to set spiritual boundaries. That's for my single people. I'm almost done, y'all. Um, so that's for my single people. For my married people, 
this word is a little bit tougher, right? My married people, this word is a little bit harder. Oh, and, and let me say this again. I'm probably going to say this in every message I preach. Um, you are not married until you are married. Hear what I'm saying, right? Until, I mean, Lord Jesus, y'all, y'all got like a, a millennial pastor. So even after I say the vows, if you don't want me to sign the paper, if you call me back in the room to sign the paper and you're like, Pastor, I made a mistake. You ain't married till I put my signature on the paper. You hear what I'm saying? You got all the way up until the ink dry. Because if I can still lick my finger and wipe it off, like, oh, they made a mistake. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? You are not married until you are married. I don't care how married you feel. I don't care how married y'all are acting. I don't care if you call yourself Mrs. So-and-so or if he calls you his wifey. If y'all ain't married, y'all are not married. And I'm not doing this to bash people. This ain't no shacking sermon. I don't do those. But hear what I'm saying. The reason why marriage is critical is because you got to understand that when you're single and you're in a toxic relationship, you can get out. But if you are a Christian and you feel like your marriage is toxic, God said you got to work that thing out. Because marriage and dating are not the same. Dating has no biblical context because really God says your father is supposed to choose your spouse. Well, God, my daddy don't know me. He don't know what I like. Then if your father can't choose your spouse, your father needs to choose your spouse. You hear what I'm saying? So I'm giving you pragmatic principles for dating, but really the ultimate principle is that God needs to send them because if God send them, all this other stuff will come out in the wash. That's why your relationship with God is paramount. The main thing that every single person needs to work on is how to hear God. Why? Because if God sent them, it doesn't matter what I don't like about them. You hear what I'm saying? All right. But if you married though, Feeling like you in a toxic marriage does not give you permission to get a divorce. Y'all hear what I'm saying? You chose to marry that person as a believer. You feel a believer, right? So if the marriage feels toxic, you have a responsibility to hang in there with them the way God hangs in there with you. Right? Now, let me be clear for y'all run out of here and say I said something I didn't say. All right. I'm not saying uh, that if there's physical abuse going on, emotional abuse, there's blatant adultery going on. They're making it an unsafe environment for you and your children. No repentance. You understand what I'm saying? Don't be stupid. Right. Get out. But it, I'm just not happy. He don't get me. She don't talk to me nice no more. Irreconcilable differences are not a reasonable excuse for divorce in the kingdom. Do you hear what I'm saying? All right. God does not accept those excuses for you leaving your spouse. We are in a culture now where marriage is under attack, not from homosexuals. It's not from it's not under attack from other people. It's under attack from the inside because Christians don't know how to be married right. And the reason why people got a gripe against Christian marriage is because Christians don't do marriage like Christians. They do marriage like the people we watch on TV. 
So then when the homosexual couple says we can get married because at least we love each other, we're going to be faithful to each other, we're going to stay together, the Christians ain't even staying together. Why can't we get married? Do you understand what I'm ha- what's happening? God doesn't, uh, Satan doesn't attack things from the outside first, he attacks them from the inside. So Christians got to understand that you don't get to hit the reset button on a marriage just because you ain't happy because marriage ain't designed to make you happy, it's designed to make you holy. And if you get holy, you will be happy. Yeah, listen what, listen what Paul says. This is 1 Corinthians 7, verses 10 and 11 in the Message Bible. This is what he says. Listen to me carefully. He says, and if you are married, stay married. This is the master's command, not mine. If a wife should leave her husband, then she must either remain single or else come back and make things right with him. And a husband has no right for any reason to get rid of his wife. He's talking about Christians. Oh, boy, everybody loved the words that they got to read the Bible, huh? Everybody loved what the Bible say about everybody else stuff. But then when culture is making you feel like just because you ain't happy no more, you can reset and get a divorce and start over. And hear what I'm saying, y'all. There's grace. If you've been divorced in here, if you've had to go through that, if God is taking you through that, he will pick you up, dust you off. You can start over again. It doesn't matter if you didn't have understanding. If you wish you had done things differently, there is grace for divorce. But grace is not a license to keep on sinning. Just because God will fix it don't mean that he wants you to break it. You hear what I'm saying? If you still marry, you got a responsibility to believe that God will fix your marriage because marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. So we don't get to give up on our marriages because God didn't give up on us. All right. That's tight, but it's right. So how do I do it? Right. How do I stay married? When I feel like I'm in a toxic relationship. Number one, you got to keep loving them even when it hurts. Because you got to trust if you're a Christian. Now, I keep, I keep inserting that caveat into that if you're a Christian, right? If you're a Christian, you got to believe that the same power that allowed Christ to endure the cross is going to allow you to endure that marriage until God changes it. He's going to allow you to deal with those things that you don't feel like you can deal with, to endure those things that break your heart, to forgive when you don't feel like forgiving, all right? To be the bigger person when the person you married to feel like being small. You hear what I'm saying? God's going to give you the strength to do that. Number two, you got to keep speaking life into your marriage even when the person you're married to is speaking death. Death in life, is in the power of the tongue. You got to keep speaking life into your marriage. It is going to get better. He is coming to church. She is going to grow up. It is going to change. It is going to shift. It's going to move. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to learn to let stuff go. I'm going to quit being bitter. You got to keep speaking life into your marriage, even when the person that you're talking to is saying divorce. You hear what I'm saying? Even when the person that you're talking to is saying that it's over and it ain't going to work and I'm tired and I don't think this is right. And they saying all kinds of stupid stuff. You got to keep speaking life. Because God does not allow what he does not ordain. 
You hear what I'm saying? God is not going to let your marriage in if you're trusting him to make it better. But you're going to have to hang in there for a minute. You got to hang in there for a minute. Love the hell out of them. Meet every offense with love. Every bad attitude with love. If you can't do it, genuinely fake it and don't let them know you're faking. Just love them anyway. Grit your teeth. Eat some candy. Pour yourself a glass of something and love your spouse. You hear what I'm saying? Sometimes you got, you know, I don't want to condone any sort of activity up here, you know. Uh But Lord Jesus, you you got to pour something. Paul told Timothy, have a little wine for your stomach's sake. How many of y'all know a bad marriage will make you sick to your stomach? You need to, (laughs) you need to have something. But whatever you got to do, hear what I'm saying, y'all? I'm I'm not not trying to be clever. I'm trying to be clear. Like, you got to do what you got to do to be able to give what you got to give. You understand what I'm saying? All right. You got to love the hell out of them. Ah, That's my time. All right. You got to find intimacy with God even when you're denied intimacy with your spouse. If you love life, you got to... Find intimacy with, intimacy with God. She said, say that again. We're going to have screens next week. <laughs> she said, yeah, amen. You can clap on that. Um, but uh, find intimacy with God even when you're denied intimacy with your spouse. Can I help y'all? Right? The Bible says, do unto others, not as they do unto you, but as you would have them do unto you. The principle is the same in marriage. Okay. So you don't get to be a trifling spouse just because you got a trifling spouse. Huh? Just because your wife ain't giving you none, that don't mean you go find it somewhere else, men. Now, this ain't for girlfriends, right? Don't leave you a girlfriend. They'll be like, oh, yes, because both of y'all cheating on Jesus. So y'all deserve to get cheated on if y'all having sex. Oh, y'all don't like that, huh? Yeah. He, y'all cheating on the Lord. He should go get him some. Like, if he ain't scared to cheat on Jesus, why need to be scared of you? Scared of nobody if I'm cheating on the Lord. Do like my son say, I'm the man. If I can cheat on Jesus. But if you marry and your spouse is not doing you right, that does not give you permission to do them wrong. I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to preach two messages to married people specifically during this series. Uh, one is going to be called Be Her Peace, and another one's going to call Be His Peace. But you got to understand that just because your spouse ain't doing right, that don't give you permission to do wrong. So whatever void is there that's caused by their mistreatment of you, you have to fill that with intimacy with the Savior. So if your sex life is bad, then your worship life should be off the chain. Huh? If, you, if your wife is not submitting to you at home, you should be submitting yourself to God in the sanctuary. Because whatever void is created in your marriage, you need to fill it with intimacy with God. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is when you learn to pray. This is when you learn how to intercede. This is when you learn how to memorize scripture and how to speak it over your life. This is when you take that bottle of oil that you had us pray for last year and you start anointing your house with it. Right? That's not when you pick up the phone and start texting or when you go in the DMs. You hear me? All right. 
So you got to find intimacy with God, even when you're denied intimacy with your spouse. But then, married people, you got to understand that what you call a toxic marriage may be a tool of divine transformation. Because marriage is designed, y'all heard me say it's not designed to make you happy. It's designed to make you holy, right? What that means is marriage is designed to make you look like Jesus. And Jesus was not fully manifested until he experienced the pain of Calvary. And sometimes the pain of the relationship, y'all hear what I'm saying? Jesus wanted to get out of his relationship with you. You ever read Gethsemane? Lord, if it be possible, if it be some other way, I don't want to give my all in this relationship. They don't deserve it. I done spent three years with them. And they don't appreciate me. They don't understand me. They don't talk to me right. God, if there be some other way, Let it pass. But then he says, but not my will. Your will be done. Can I tell you what the prayer of every married person should be? Lord, not my will. But your will be done. And trust that you might think it's toxic, but God said it's not toxic, it's transformational. Because most times when single people get into toxic relationships, it's because they're trying to do married people stuff without married people grace. That's how single relationships become toxic, because you're trying to do something that you're not graced for. You're not graced for sex. You're not graced for merged finances. You're not graced for him to meet your parents and for you to meet his parents and for y'all to start calling each other like y'all are. You're not graced for that. It put too much pressure on you. But married people live under a different grace. So what's toxic for single people? God has given married people the ability to endure because married people carry the image of Christ and the church. And so God will make your marriage work because the image is important to him. You hear what I'm saying? Okay, y'all don't get it. Uh, let me help you like this. Okay, um, me and my wife get real irritated. Uh, JSO got a real bad habit of doing it. Thank God I live in Clay County, but they do it sometimes too. Uh, they will turn on their lights and speed through a light for no reason. You hear what I'm saying? Like they'll turn on their lights and they'll whoop and then turn them off and pull in the Wendy's parking lot. It irks my soul, right? But can I tell you the real reason why it irks my soul? Is because what's legal for them when they own duty is illegal for me because I don't have their position. It's the same thing, but I'll get a ticket and they'll get rewarded. And single people, you got to understand you are not married so you trying to do what married people do, just like I might be able to speed. Th- oh, I wish David Pugh was in here so he could hear this revelation about speeding through red lights. I might be able to get away with speeding through red lights sometimes. But eventually I'm going to get caught. Eventually I'm going to get a ticket. You hear what I'm saying? Or worse, I'm going to wreck my car. And how many of us have wrecked our car relationally because we doing stuff we ain't got no business doing? But for married people, God has given you grace to deal with that thing. 
to work through it because it'll, it'll work together to make you more like Jesus. This is the last thing I ought to say to married people, then I'm done. Last thing. So you got to keep loving them. You got to speak life. You got to love the hell out of them. You got to find intimacy with God. You got to understand it might be a tool for transformation. Here's the last thing, right? You need to own your part in what made the relationship toxic. Mm-hmm. Single people, y'all get to be selfish. You understand what I'm like, like, I don't like it. I can leave. I don't got to own my part because I ain't got to see them no more. Right? But when you're married and you call your relationship toxic, you got to understand that toxicity is created by the intermingling of two different substances. One substance by itself can't become toxic. Two people have to contribute to the toxicity of a relationship. So what did you do? What didn't you do? How many times did she tell you that she didn't like that before the argument blew up? How many times did he ask you not to talk to him that way before he started talking to somebody else? How many times did you feel entitled to something that you hadn't earned, right? Husband, you felt entitled to submission, but you ain't a provider. Wife, you felt entitled to love, but you won't submit. How did you contribute to the toxicity of your relationship? Married people need to own their part. You ain't that easy to deal with. And it's when you really understand that, and it's not just a cliche or something that we say, right? Because, you know, oh, I know I'm a handful. Oh, I know I'm not perfect. But you really don't want to drill down to the areas of your imperfection. Because if they really gave you a list of all the things that they thought were imperfect about you, you'd want to bounce on them. You wouldn't try to fix them. That's pride. So you really don't believe that you're not perfect. You really believe that you got a right to have the attitude that you have. You really believe that you are entitled to behave the way you're behaving. But if you're going to get out of a toxic relationship, you got to be willing to own your part in the relationship. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? You got to be willing to own your part. God, I did this. I put too much effort into my outside, into outside of my home than I did inside of my home. God, I, do, I wasn't attentive. I didn't pay attention. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I wasn't a good provider. I wasn't loving. I, I thought as long as I paid the bills, everything was going to be straight. This for men and women. But if you're going to be successful in marriage and you're going to overcome the toxic feeling of relationship, you got to learn that you played a role in what you're currently experiencing. And you got to be specific. The same way you got specific reasons why you mad at your spouse. You should have specific reasons for why they should be mad at you. An old evangelist said that if someone asked you to think of the worst sinner you know and you're not the first person you think of, then you're probably not a Christian. And it's the same in marriage. Who's the worst spouse you know? 
Who got the worst, who got the worst marriage? You know. Don't be looking at nobody else. Look in your house and ask God to help you. I'm done, Marcus. You can play something. Uh, look. That's for married people. For single people, my advice is much more simple. If you're in a toxic relationship, you ain't got to fight. You ain't got to try to make it right. If you're single, you have a responsibility and a right to run away. Get as far from the toxic relationship as you can. You ain't got to try to fix it. You can't fix what you didn't create. And ain't nobody in here, even if you gave birth to a child, you ain't created a person. Only God is the creator. And you got to be willing to run away. It takes courage to run away. Because some of us don't want to be by ourselves. Some of us are so scared to be alone that we'll deal with toxicity because we don't want to be by ourselves. But God says, I'm canceling that fear out now in the name of Jesus. I need my single people to run. I need my married people to fight. Stand to your feet. Abram could not become Abraham while he was connected to Lot. And you got to decide that who God has called you to become is more important than who God's connected to you. There's greatness in you and it can't come out until you get the right connection. You got to run away from toxic relationships, married people, stop calling your marriage toxic. And realize that it might not feel good while it's working, but it's working for your good.